When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Please enjoy this Tennis Rackets and Strings Masterclass with special guest Jonas Erickson on episode 334 of the Tennis Files Podcast. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the show. And today I have on Jonas Erickson, who many of you have probably seen on the Tennis Nerd YouTube channel or on Instagram or other platforms. And he's fantastic because he is super passionate about testing rackets, strings, shoes, and other tennis tools. Um, He's also an expert marketer, and that shows us he's done very well on the various platforms where he makes content. He's also an avid tennis player. Jonas competes semi-regularly on the ITF Masters Tour, and he has a fantastic YouTube channel with over 49,000 subscribers. He's also the host of the Tennis Nerd Podcast. So yeah, I really have enjoyed watching numerous, uh, more than I can count, certainly, tennis racket reviews in particular. So I've, as you know, if you've been following the podcast uh, that I've been testing, Many rackets throughout um, the several months, past several months, and I even did a racket bracket and picked one, but then ultimately decided not to switch. So I do get into asking very selfish questions for myself on, you know, what types of rackets I should be testing that I might not have yet. And of course, um, we really try to get into what the right process is for finding the right racket for you. I mean, that's one of the first questions that I ask. And, you know, mistakes that people make in choosing a racket, the main factors we should think about, and also some of the most underrated racket brands, the top three spin and control power rackets, as well as, of course, different types of strings and the best ones that we might want to try out. So hope you really enjoy this one. It was really fun for me. And, you know, it's a bit of a change from the the normal how to improve your game from the strategic and technical aspect and, and, you know, fitness, mental game. It's more of the equipment side, but definitely can have a big impact in your enjoyment of the game. And also just, you know, how well you play, of course, just dialing in your specs can make a huge difference as, you know, it is for me in testing these different rackets, you know, one small thing's off and I'm not liking it and I'm not enjoying tennis as much. So, but it is fun to uh, test out rackets, and so you'll definitely learn all about that on this episode. With it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Jonas Erickson. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Falls Podcast. I'm here with my friend Jonas Erickson. Uh, Jonas, it's really a pleasure to connect with you, as I was mentioning before I hit the record button, because I've seen so many of your videos. It's been, you know, searching for the right racket and strings, and you're one of the first people that I watch. So um, it's really cool to, to see you grow. And I also love reading your articles as well. So I've re- uh, read a lot of them too. So Jonas, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to be on the other side of a podcast, so <laughs> I do enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. People should also check out your podcast uh, on YouTube. I've, I've seen some some nice ones there as well. I think you're, you've done, what, like 60 of them so far-ish? Or 
Something yeah, like. I, I wish I knew. I mean, it's maybe close <laughs> to 100. I don't know. But it's like oh. it's, it, it goes in spurts. But I haven't been as prolific as you. So it's like a thing that if you get some good guests, you know, you keep on going. But then sometimes you're like, oh, you get pressed for time. And then you're like, oh, shit, I have to find new guests. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah, yes. man, it's 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 not easy, as you know. So but yeah, again, you know, really great to have you here to just talk tennis rackets, strings and other equipment, perhaps if we have time, we'll see. But I do find it interesting to see like the the journey, the racket journey of, of folks on occasion when they're tennis ex- uh, equipment experts like yourself. So I was curious, like what rackets you use like from the junior days did you use some sort of like stainless steel or, or metal frame or what what what, what were did you use throughout the years yeah i'm, I'm not that old but i'm quite, quite old. <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> no it's i, I used uh, like my first proper racket was a wilson 6195 that's nice. still around like you can still buy it but in different iterations over the years right but it was the the red and white one i think federer made it more famous with his pro staff 90 that's kind of like this polka dot kind of paint job, right? And uh, yeah. that's a great one. I, I, there's plenty of pros still using this mold today. I think Evans is using that exact frame, kind of the the layup is what's inside the racket. The mold is the structure of the racket. Mm-hmm. And so there's several pros using that, but with different cosmetics on them, right? I see. I see. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I have the, the first racket I remember that I was successful with was the, uh, the Hammer, I think 6.2, like the skunk that like, yeah, Martin used Todd Martin and was it Davenport as well? So that's pretty nice. But um, cool, cool, awesome. And you know, I, I do want this obviously this podcast to be very helpful for for folks in terms of like finding the right racket. And so we're gonna get into that first, I think. So like, what is your process, Jonas? Of fig, you know, from step zero, I guess, or whatever step one. Like, what what is the first step you do to like figure out the right racket for you? And then obviously you can go on to the other steps. Yeah, I think it's you have to start always looking at yourself, like figuring out like who you are, what you do well, what you do less well, where your strengths and where your weaknesses are. Like if you have a you know problem in in overhitting, or if you're more like you can't get enough power on your shots, you usually get like put pulled back and have to always defend. You know, so you, yeah. you have to be take a pretty strong look at yourself in the mirror to find a good racket. I, I always recommend people to record themselves. I've been doing it for many years through my YouTube channel and stuff. It's sometimes gruesome watching and you're not going to like what you see, but it's also a way to improve not only with the racket, but also to kind of in your technique and your movement and you're seeing what's going wrong. If your opponent allows, maybe you play like tournament or league matches, you can record yourself in the match and, and then you can look back and say, oh, what was what was I doing at like 30, 40, you know, in, in three service games, I made the same mistake and so on. Uh, so kind of based on your you know level, of course, like you shouldn't use too much of an advanced racket, but you also have to ask yourself, I think, first of all, like, why do you play tennis? So if you play tennis to win matches, to be competitive and to improve, the racket should ideally help you a bit, you know, like unless you're a pro that needs ultimate control and you need to play with a pretty heavy frame. I think a lot of players that play tennis for a while, but they're not on like such a high level, I think they're using quite difficult rackets. So then modern rackets, 100 square inch or even larger head sizes is the way to go you know uh, but if you're an advanced player that require control and feel then it's more of a difficult process to get like you accustomed to the feel because what we talked about before you we started recording as well is like if you have a racket you really like and you like the feel of it you like how it you know impacts the ball and, and everything it's quite tough even on with an updated model to find that exact thing you're looking for uh, so sometimes it's it's tough to make a change. And you see that with rec players, you see that with pros, you know. So 
But I think you start looking at yourself. Do I need more power? Go bigger head size, go for something more forgiving. Or do you really like like the old school, more control rackets? You know, then there's definitely lots of choose from there. So the problem is obviously the choice in the marketplace, because whether you, whatever player you are, you're going to have a, a jungle to wade through in terms of all the <laughs> types of rackets you you like, you know, or want to get trying. Freaking jungle, man. I've gone through, I think, like 12 so far and haven't haven't decided yet. But yeah, a lot of follow-ups from that great info, Jonas. I mean, the first one, which one should I pick? Probably let's go with, you, you mentioned uh, the recording. So uh, just a quick like detour, I guess. Like that is so important. And I, I record myself and I, like you said, I find things that I didn't think was, you know, I do incorrectly. And it's, it's so insightful. What do you use to record? I just use my iPhone. Like I have two iPhones. I have one for phone calls and one for like tennis recording. So it's been working well. I think you can be very picky and use like, you know, a 4K camera and stuff. I've tried it in the past, but it's also if if the ball hits it or it falls because of the windy conditions or something, it's (laughs) going to be, you know, more expensive and it's going to break easier than an iPhone. An iPhone can actually take a fall. So uh, that that also helps. And it records awesome quality and you can use it to call. So there's a lot of things that is good there but you can use a gopro as well i probably there's a bit cheaper alternative or whatever smartphone that has recording and if you don't want to edit your videos you can use kind of swing vision which is a tool that kind of cuts out i mean it does many things you can analyze like your speed and stuff but it cuts out the dead time so you don't have to sit there and if you play a match you like have to actually edit out all the walking and picking up the balls and swearing or whatever is happening <laughs> in between the points, you know? So uh, there are things that you can make it pretty easy. So you always make sure to record your sessions. And I think uh, I can really recommend that to anyone really. Yeah. hundred percent. Love that. And then like to, to prop your phone up, are you using like a, some sort of tripod or something that attached to the fence or something? Yeah, you can use like a, a fence mount, depending if there's a fence there, I guess in the U S there's a lot of like always a fence around the tennis court. I've lived in Malta in south of, you know, um, Europe. And now I live in Spain, south of Spain. And mm. it's not always like a proper fence where you can actually mount uh. it on the fence. So then I always bring a tripod and get a semi-sturdy one. I mean, you can get that cheap like Amazon Basics one, which I have. Sure. Um, I that's easy to pack in the bag. You just put it up. People will ask you why you're filming, but that, <laughs> that's a part of the game. You know, you always get that like, yeah. oh, you, what, what are you filming? What, what are you doing? And, you know. So it's, it's, you're going to get that question, but otherwise it's great, great way to, to record. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Jonas. And then before I ask you about this, like the next step, you did mention, you know, that a lot of people are using rackets that are too heavy for them. Um, you know, you're just like a four and you're using the, the fetter heaviest one or whatever frame. So yeah. Well, what are, what are some of the biggest racket mistakes that like you're looking around and seeing people make? Yeah, I think it's partly using a racket that's too demanding. Like I, and also yeah. I see people who they know maybe that if you add lead tape, like weight, it could be tungsten tape or lead tape to a racket, yeah. it's going to increase power and stability. But what happens is that they overdo it. So you're like, you have a lead tape slapped all over the racket and it's like too heavy and it might impact your swing and then it's going to hurt your elbow. So I mean, like you need to find a racket where you, that helps you hit the sweet spot as often as possible, especially if you have elbow issues. So I think a lot of players, they, they maybe hit sometimes outside or too frequently outside. And that's really where the problem with the elbow and stuff happens because then you have a lot of vibrations going down to your arm. So the weight, I see people using too heavy rackets. And in some cases, there can be also too light uh, that you, you're you never pro- mm. progressing up to a slightly heavier racket. You're using maybe 270 grams, which is kind of like the ultra light racket type. 
and you have no stability, you know, no power really and no stability on the ball. And that can also be bad for your game, right? So so the light the weight is, is something I see quite quite a lot, you know, that people use use the wrong weight. Then the second one, which is more related to strings, is that they string the racket too high. So mm. old tensions like from the 90s used to be that you everybody played with like a, a softer string, multi-filament or gut. And they knew, know that to get control with that, you need to string like 60 pounds, 62 pounds or even more. Uh, and in this case, when you're using now modern polyester strings, which has a lot more give and a lot more resilience, uh, they you can go down really low. You can go down to 25 pounds, as Manorino, one of the videos I made there, got uh, got pretty interesting because he he plays with such a low tension. That's that's crazy. You get a lot of trampoline from the string bed, and if you can control it, it's great. But it's going to be tough. But if you're playing with 45 pounds, for example, that's still low and, and gives you a bit more bigger sweet spot, a bit more power, a bit more depth on your shots, and is a bit more forgiving on the arm as well. So I think a lot of players, they stick to that thought that they need to string very, very high tensions to get control. Uh, while I, I don't think that's always the, the best idea. You're seeing it with the pros, they're definitely going down. So I think also club-level players should, should consider that, going down in tension. Yeah, I know. It's such great advice. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I started with like the 62 or so. I remember back in the day when I was using synthetic. And then, you know, as I, I got to poly, then I, I started with like maybe 55, 54. Now I'm down to like 50. So it definitely, um, it's it's helped to lower lower the tension and get more out of the string there, um, especially with the poly. So so Jonas, so we've established what you've established. The, uh, the first step is of finding a racket is to like really figure yourself out, you know, record yourself and see like, what might I need? You know, what's my game like? So then once we've, we've thought all this out, maybe we've written it down or thought about it, like what, what's the next step that we should take? Yeah. So then hopefully you have an idea of, of who you are. So, you know, like, okay, the level, um, obviously you should go and read articles on tennis nerd or other websites oh, yeah. reviewing rackets. You know, that's, that's, there are many out there now, many, many reviewers testing rackets, but there should be some kind of range. Like, so if you know, like most players can play with a hundred square inch racket. So there are mainly two popular head sizes today. It's like 98, which is the more control group. There are smaller ones still like 95, but they're getting rarer and rarer. And for most people, nothing even to consider. So if you're a pretty advanced player or you like to go for control, no matter what your level, the 98 is the way to go, you know? And, uh, but then with a hundred, it's such a wide variety. So there are rackets that fall in between that most players can use, like a Speed, for example, or a Blade 100. You know, those kind of rackets that it's not too powerful, not too spin-oriented where the ball just kicks up or, or has a lot of, like, launch on your shots. Uh, so you don't need to really go crazy and, like, try to try everything. But if you identify, for example, okay, I should probably play with a somewhat forgiving racket, but I don't want it too powerful, then you can go to your favorite retailer or your shop or whatever and and hopefully get a demo because everybody needs to try the racket i I really suggest you should if you can get four rackets from Mm. a demo program tennis warehouse whatever and and try them out because otherwise it can be like you buy something and you're like okay this this does not feel right depends a bit of picky of how picky you are but for some it, it might be like lead to this endless search you know a complete jungle where you're like you're never happy you know because you try too much and that's, and that's where you see a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right here, this guy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's great stuff. In terms of the demoing now, so like, oh, sorry for the beeps. So we, we've we gotten our four, three or four demos. I think Tensor House might be three, but yeah, whatever. So then we have the demos and then 
what should we do now? Because like, this is one step like where I have effed up before where like, I just took the rackets like as is and just like use them. And then, you know, then, then the next time I did, I said, wait a minute, maybe I should be, you know, thinking about like <laughs> replacing the strings, like all the same, you know, strings and tension, whatnot. So like, what are, what are, how should we um, do our best practices for demoing? Yeah, that's a good good point because like I think some demo programs maybe it's not long enough so you can't restring but ideally you should test mm. all rackets with the same string. So when I test rackets I have since I've been testing hundreds and hundreds of rackets and strings but I have maybe a few different strings that I know exactly how they will play in a certain racket. So I I you know like your arms and muscle memory and and the sensations are built up but for for general testing purpose is good to have the same setup so you know that it's not the string that is like bad or you're not used to it or it's screwing something up because the string is really half the racket at least you know yeah. in terms of feel performance control power so if you have an old string the racket might feel like a rocket launcher because it lost tension or if you have a string you're not enjoying you know, it might be too stiff then the racket feels stiff because the string is very stiff so uh, it's better to that just have your string set up if you have time to do it maybe if you string yourself or if you have a stringer that can say, hey, I want Hyper-G or whatever, 50 pounds on all these or three rackets. Then you bring them to the court. Then I always urge people to don't do only do five minutes per racket. Because I, I, what I see a lot is like, you pick it up, you play to hit Sucks. five shots. You're like, no, 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 no. I can't play with this. This is shit. <laughs> and, and you need yeah. to actually, however painful, at least get an hour of hitting in, you know? Oh, Preferably, okay. like, maybe you do half an hour which doesn't sound like a lot and it's not a lot, but at least it gives you something. And then you do a half an hour the next day or the next time you play because you might have a bad day. And then the racket is like, oh, everything is shit, you know? But then the next day you have a great day. So you need to kind of evaluate also, how am I feeling? Is this kind of a, am I being somewhat objective here or is it a very subjective reasoning, you know, behind it? So I think it's as try to eliminate as many variables as possible and give the racket time because I... The problem with the demo period of one week is that sometimes it takes, you know, a month to get used to a racket. So you need to have a a little bit of like, mm-hmm. I really like this racket, but I'm not playing perfectly with it, or I'm not like, you know, perfectly in tune with it yet. Give it time because it's, it takes time to build up the muscle memory where you're connected to the racket. Sometimes you need to change the string, lower the tension, but usually you need that feeling to make a commitment to it of like, okay, I'll, I like this. You know, if you don't have that feeling that you like it after half an hour, most likely you're not going to like it after mm. five hours, I would say. Yeah. So there's so many rackets. You want that first feeling of like, wow, I like this. And then you see after that. Nice, nice. With, with demo programs, I know now you, you know, you get a lot of hookups, I imagine, like, you know, you do such a great job and brands want to work with you. But like for the demo programs, like, do you know, do, do they allow extensions, you know, like if you only have a week with three rackets, like, can you just say, hey, I'll extend it or something like that? I think so. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think it okay. depends maybe on the or how, you know, heavy the, the demand is for a certain model. I mean, it depends, but but that that could be a way to go if you really like, OK, I I, I want to try this. One way I built up over time so many hours with different rackets is like I've, I've been buying lightly used rackets, testing mm. them for as long as required, and then selling them again. I mean, it's a hassle. You have to actually like maybe go to the post office if you buy one like on eBay or a similar service. You, you try it, but then you have time with it and you focus on the racket. Oh, it's not for me. Then you can sell it and you, you're most likely not going to lose a lot of money, right? Like it's, it's used rackets, lightly used rackets. 
they are, you know, maybe a hundred bucks, 120 bucks. If it's in very good condition, it's not like a really old racket. Sometimes you're luckier to have it cheaper. You know, it could be a little bit more, but then you can sell it for 10% lower or maybe the same, or maybe even higher if you're a good business guy, you know? So <laughs> I would say that's been my way of just testing so much. It's like, okay, I buy these three use sometimes cheap rackets, and then I, you know, sell them on or it's trade sometimes, you know, I have been trading a lot of rackets like, oh, I didn't like this one. Maybe you will like this, you know? So um, that's a way to actually test without having the kind of restrictions of the demo. Mm. Jonas, I think you should bundle your rackets with a free racket analysis and then 2x price. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, you could try. But um, yeah, uh, it, that reminds me, you know, of, of um, this one time. Yeah, you, you know, demoing it properly, you said, and giving it enough time, at least. You like, I remember one of the stupidest demos I ever did was, um, shout out to my friend Luis. Um, he has a V-Core. And um, like in the middle of like a doubles practice match, like I was like, oh, Luis, let me use your V-Core like this for, for a game or two. And uh, and then he had lead tape on it, too, and like different strings and tension. I was like, this is the worst record I've ever played with, you know. But then <laughs> months later, I tried the V-Core again. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like way better. You know, just I mean, it was it was stupid. But just, you know, things like that. People make mistakes sometimes doing things like that. With these rackets, Jonas, um, once you, so you're demoing, right? You, you know, you, you've, you've connect with a few rackets maybe. And then like, how do you, how do you narrow it down then to the one? Yeah, that's a tough one. But let's say you like two rackets just for the, for argument's yeah. sake, you know, and yeah. then maybe you, I mean, if you have money, you can buy them both and then sell one, the one you don't like. So you have more time, right. you know, maybe you get an extension. I always recommend to play it in some kind of match format. Like you, uh, if you're a competitive player, hopefully, yeah. I mean, most tennis players are, they like to play either with against friends, maybe they have a league, maybe they have a club matches going or, or even tournaments, you know, you need to test a racket also in competitive setting that might settle the question of whether it's racket A or B, because in competitive settings, as we all know, uh, we get tenser, we tense up, we play poorly or better depending on your mental state you know your psyche maybe you're like a you know a guy who just or girl who performs really really well in match situations but for a lot of tennis players it's the opposite so you you break down mm -hmm. your technique starts going you're tight and then the racket will tell you a lot like you can play with a racket in practice that feels like a million bucks you're like i can't miss with this racket it's like the best racket ever you go play a match the next day suddenly oh it's too heavy i can't move it yeah. and i'm and you know so uh, we've all been through that, I think. And it, it, that's, that's where you have to get some information and see, okay, do I need, and you have to ask yourself, like, is this, you know, is this too heavy for me? Am I, why am I late? Is it because I'm so nervous and not moving? Or is it because I'm using too much of a racket? So I might actually be able to get some more balls back or get some more balls, you know, back defensively in play if the racket helps me a bit more, right? So I think that yeah. match statement is the one where you will feel okay, I'm winning more with this racket. So then racket B, for example. So that's why I'm going to go with it because that's maybe what's most important to you that you, you play your best tennis and you, and you win some free points, for example. Yeah, I love that piece of advice, Jonas. Yeah, I mean, there was, I can't remember which frame it was that I was testing and like in practice, just hitting from the baseline, like it was felt amazing. I was taking big cuts, but then, you know, when I played a set and kind of like running, running for balls, running forehands, especially like I like to use a buggy whip a lot of times. I hit with a lot of spin and, you know, defense, and I just wasn't able to like whip it as much. So like it's little things like that. It's very important to, uh, to figure out for yourself. 
So you mentioned something very interesting and like that I've been intimidated by personally, but I have a, a friend, shout out to Chris, but he, um, he's like the master besides you of like, you know, buying rackets and then like testing them and then selling them. He eats hundreds of times. He's done this, but um, maybe thousands, but what are some, any other tips in terms of like platform? Like what's the easiest way? Like, do you sell on a particular platform that makes it super easy to do or, or you just use many different ones? I've used everything pretty much like there was a site called string forum i think it's still around but it's like really oh, old yeah. so maybe you get like a you know security error because it's not https <laughs> you know that stuff like that I, I think the last time i checked it out so yeah. that was a forum where you could sell and buy and trade i set up a facebook group just for that you know so that people could awesome. like it's, it's twenty five thousand people something and that's where people list a lot of rackets i haven't bought anything from there myself but i i, I see a lot of buys and trades and and people are generally pretty honest. I mean, you have to always check so it's not like some counterfeit products or something, but it's, it's quite rare. Like these, these people are tennis nerds that buy a bunch of rackets, trade, sell, then buy another bunch of rackets. It's a pretty harmless hobby, but, you know, you, it's easy to get it stuck into this, you know, whether you're a collector or you just love to find, because it's an eternal quest for that racket, you know, like it's an, you, you rarely will find the holy grail for your game you would just keep searching because it's fun as well. So it's a part yeah. of the tennis, you know, like my friend Henrik, who also tests rackets in for the Swedish tennis magazine, he, he says like, sometimes it's not even fun to play or as much fun if I don't have something new to play with, right? Like <laughs> brings review rackets, he buys something on a forum, you know, it's, it's classic, right? So, uh, so that's what I've been doing um, using, you know, forums, eBay, like they're in every country, usually they're different buy and sell sites you can use you know so like i even gone mm -hmm. to like netherlands bought like from marktplatz which is like the dutch i'm not dutch you know i don't speak dutch but i, oh. I bought ah i found a racket there and then you buy it like italian sites I mean, <laughs> <everywhere>, right? <laughs> so oh my God. um you can definitely find you know if there's a racket out there you, you will find it and now that i live in spain there's a spanish oh. you know counterpart to that so i found some rackets there so yeah there's, there's rackets out there online. You will you will be able to find them if you really want one. <laughs> so nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Racketaholics, you need to set up an AA group for that. And also, yeah, feel free, like, if you want to send me that Facebook um, racket group that you that you configured, I can put it in the show notes page. Uh, people can check it out. Yeah, awesome. Oh, and then with the counterfeit situation, you did say it's rare, but I was just curious because, like, I love watches, for example, but, like, I've been kind of a little afraid to get them, like, secondhand just because of counterfeit issue. But, like, have you ever run into that? And then like any ways to like protect against like to make sure it's not a counterfeit? It's a tough one. I have never personally had it, you know, or experienced it, but I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, something looks off here, you know, and mm. there are a few, you know, I'm not a super expert, but there's a few telltale signs like anything visual, like does the logo look off? Like, is this the Wilson logo? <laughs> I mean, it says Nilsson, you shouldn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mm. small things with the font if you are aware of what you're buying so you can be a little bit skeptical i've never experienced mm. it as i said over hundreds and hundreds of racket purchases but i've gotten like emails and and messages like yeah do you think this is legit and and there's been a few times i've said like this looks a bit off you know there's something with the babula logo or yeah. something that's a bit dodgy right so uh, you have to be a little bit cautious you know and yeah, uh, yeah. and there could be like even when you buy things online maybe have a few conversations so you can trust the guy. I mean, this is a re reputable seller. Sometimes they have reviews like eBay. I think they have reviews for the seller. That makes it easier. Mm. Yeah. If it's someone complete stranger, it's good to actually get a feel for if you can trust this person. Sadly, like that's how it is, right? So otherwise, maybe there's no rackets showing up or 
you know how it is. So you have to be a little bit, you don't have to be super suspicious, but you know, think it through and, and try to get a feel for, for what you're buying. Right. Great. Great stuff, Jonas. Hey, yeah, just, you know, on the buying part of it then, and you did mention actually, you know, some tips and whatnot, but yeah, just any other, like when you're buying a racket, like, I don't know, should, should you look into buying like the previous version, if there's not much of a change. And then also like, as far as platforms like to get, like, you know, you mentioned sometimes you just prefer to get it like lightly used or sometimes new, like, I don't know, just any thoughts on that buying part. If you want to save money and you're not ultra picky, I would go for the previous model. Because I mean, when it's time for a release of a new line and the racket companies are in more hurry now, like you need more products on the market, yeah. the, the times in between updates are shorter mm -hmm. and the update tends, and it's not always the case, but tends to be small. So it's like not as huge, significant change to the structure of the racket. It's maybe some change to the layup where they've added some foam or it is a small things generally, right? And yeah. uh, then you can get the previous outgoing model for like half price. So that's where you can do some bargains. So if you usually models have two years, I mean, head does two years, I think Wilson, sometimes two or three, depending on the model. Uh, Babula there a bit takes a bit more time. Babula for some reason they they usually wait like three or even more. Like for example, we have a new Pure Strike coming this year, coming year here 2024, Sweet. and the old Pure Strike uh, that's been around now since 2019. So this is a long one for rackets. Uh, so I think soon you will be able to get really good deals on the Pure Strike, the outgoing one, for example. So uh, that's a way to save money. For very, very picky people, sometimes the new version is good enough to spend the extra money. Like there's enough of an update. That's why you might need to check out reviews and stuff, you know. And I usually keep like an extra version of the old model or whatever if I can, if I don't yeah, remember exactly how it plays, to be able to compare and see, okay, is this going to be something that an average player, I mean, I might feel it, but if I test like hundreds of rackets, then it's a bit different than if someone just, oh, I don't feel anything, you know, <laughs> so... So yeah. that's, that's a good way to, to not have to spend so much money because I know now rackets are very expensive. Like they, they really upped the price on rackets now last year. So uh, you, you would want to find some bargain deal, especially if you want to buy more than one. Maybe you want three ones so you have, you know, two freshly strung or whatever. If you're a competitive player, then it's going to add up the money, right? So. Yeah, definitely. I think I saw the Pure Arrow at one point was like 300 if I'm not mistaken. And I mm -hmm. was like, wow, this is, <laughs> I've never seen this price before. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it is what it, excuse me, it is what it is. But Jonas, this could be a very sensitive piece of information that maybe you don't want to give away, but how many rackets do you have right now? No, not sensitive <laughs> at all. Uh, I had, like a while ago, I had like 100. Uh, okay. It's been fluctuating, of course. I sell a bunch to my like Patreons yeah. and stuff. I usually have like rackets for mm. sale there, because mm. like I I can't keep them all. Like something. I mean, over the years, I've like oh, I buy this model and then I get bored with it in like one week. I'm like, why did I buy this? Like it's stupid. You know? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I still do silly mistakes. Sadly, I'm like oh, I should switch to this. Let me get three of this one on some forum, and then I'm like I'm using that two more weeks, and then no, I'm bored with it. But I have like a I think maybe now I have like seventy or eighty, maybe something like that. But after okay. selling a bunch, you know, so it's been fluctuating a bit, but it, it's, it's way too many, you know, that's, that's the, but I keep key models because I'm reviewing new ones. So for example, this year, I know which lines are being overall, which are being updated. And then I have the, the previous generation so I can actually, okay, string, string them up the same and compare and say, okay, is this anything? Cause I tr try to be like focused on the consumer. Is the, is it worth for them to pay 300 euros or $300? Yeah. when the, the previous model was pretty much the same, you know? And in most cases, it's 
maybe not. So uh, that's really, you have to be very blunt about that and, and you know, really compare them. Yeah, it's, that's why people love your your channel, Jonas. I can just imagine you like you're like in the middle of the night. You wake up to go to the bathroom. And you're just like tripping on a racket. You're like, damn it, <laughs> just with all the Could rackets happen. you have. Like, I don't know. Why I just visualize that strange mind I have, you know. But um, now I'm gonna ask you a very selfish question. You know, I'm an only child, so a little bit selfish here. But and we, we I kind of talked to you about this earlier. But so I play with a Pure Arrow VS 2017. I think it's like a Pure Storm mold. Is it? But uh, yeah, so I've been liking that a lot. But for, and for me, like it's very important that I have a very spinny racket, one that helps me produce. I mean, obviously, we ta you've talked about how like you have to have the technique for it, but um, it helps uh, accentuate that. And then you know, like power, like decent amount of power is, is good, not too much, not too little. But the big thing for me, Jonas, is like I want more stability because then when I'm playing some of these like, these really good five O's and even five fives, like when they're like really whacking the ball, like sometimes I feel like it's I'm not as confident, like you know, with the connection where, for example, I, I tested previous generation V core and I could just feel that thing like definitely a lot more stable. You know, it's like a thicker um, frame as well. And then all on the volleys too, it felt more stable. So I was wondering if you have any thoughts on, on what racket to use first off. And then I also have some demos coming up that I'll ask you about in a second, but like any thoughts on like what types of rackets you think I might like for that uh, to transition to? It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, like that's the most common thing is that people really like a model. It could even either be like outgoing, like you can't find it anymore. Like you have to search forums and eBay. I would usually be able to find it like at some mm. point, even rare models, because I have so many different sources for it. Yeah, the people I know that are in the racket business or whatever. But generally, you might also want to change because maybe, hey, you know, I want a bit more stability or there's something out there. And when you're talking about the Aero VS, it's kind of like the 98 screen. So you're not going full power racket. You're going spin control right. racket. So it's a spin control racket. And there's a bunch on the market, right? So, yeah. and if we take the V-Core 98, for example, it's a good option. The new V-Core 98 is very flexible. Like it has a lot of like pocketing. You might mm -hmm. like that. It's not okay. similar to what you are used to. But some people love it and some people don't. That's 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 one of those rackets that has had like a strong update. So the previous 2021 mm -hmm. one was firmer feeling, a little bit more similar to what you were used to, while mm -hmm. this one is is more flexible, a little bit more dampening overall. So you're not going to feel the ball quite as much, but it's also going to feel kind of pillowy. So that you might enjoy. Then the obvious choice is like Aero 98, Alcaraz, Rune, uh, Artur Fields, so many good players using that. I have many like advanced pros here in south of spain where i'm playing like they they uh, bring lots of rackets they try it they're like oh i love this racket like that's one where people go wow you know that that's been one where, like it's a 98 but it gives you a lot of power a lot of spin mm -hmm. feeling is a bit more dampened than in this version than the previous generation i like it but there's also several guys i know that like the previous generation so it's a very much of a a matter of taste, but you have to try the new Aero 98 if you're in the search for that type of racket. I think it's, it's a must. So Vicor 98, Aero 98, Head Extreme Tour is a bit more control oriented, I would say. So might not give you all the power you need if you're hitting like, if you're playing against really strong players, the forgiveness is quite important. Like otherwise you, you're not going to get enough on your defensive shots when they start hitting hard, right? So Mm. Uh, I think that's the stability, the issue. And then obviously you can, you can add weight to it. So adding, trying adding like two grams of lead tape, just bumping up the weight a bit, see if that helps when you, when you're getting attacked or you, you're having like a strong hitter you're playing against. Yeah. Uh, but I will say arrow V core, uh, maybe extreme tour, 
Uh, those are like the most, you know, popular control spin rackets because you would like a spin racket, of course. But I don't know, like it depends a little bit on the style. Like, for example, some people like the ball to just have a, more of a kick upwards. Yeah. Otherwise, like you can try a pure strike, for example, where you have a little bit more of a flat trajectory, but this very stable racket, right? It's very mm. stable, I would uh, So, So those are some some good options that I, I really thought like the Aero 98, very good update. I even like me, I'm a more of a, you know, flat hitting player. I like like really low powered frames, mm-hmm. but I've been flirting with the Aero 100 this year because I, it's a racket I, I thought was very good and they made the yeah. string pattern denser. So actually the it control level aspect is much better than the previous generation. So in this case, I thought it was a, for me, a clear improvement, but not for everyone. Yeah, thanks for that, Jonas. Yeah, the the Pure One Hundred was. I really was very impressed by like the power, but control, like especially on the returns. Like I was really hammering the returns. Like I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But yeah, it's it's yeah. Those are some great shout outs. Um, some of them, yeah, some of them I've tried and liked. Just not you know quite there maybe but um i might have to retry some of them i've been retrying things lately again but yeah i mean some other ones i was thinking of and actually i have a yonix uh percept 100 coming in i thought that might be interesting Mm -hmm. um and then i want to try a head speed mp but they didn't have that um in stock at the moment so i don't know those those what do you think of those choices you think those are like these may could be okay maybe Definitely worth a try because those fall yeah. more in the in between. They're like not in the spin category anymore. Doesn't mean okay. that you won't get spin with them, okay. but they're not like pure drive power yeah. or e stone power. So it's quite an interesting category that's growing where you have the forgiveness of a hundred square inch in the percept case, but it is not as stiff as powerful. It has a little bit more feel to it. I really mm. like the percept hundred. I think you you'll enjoy that one. Uh, it also feels like it's. A little bit faster through the air than maybe some other hundred square inch rackets. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. know why. I mean the beam, the beam width is not as thick as you go uh, with an arrow, for example. Uh, same for the speed. The beam is twenty three millimeter instead of like a twenty six. So if you go for a power racket, a lot of them are twenty six millimeters. That's a very thick beam. Some players can't play yeah, with that. Thick. They don't like that at all. Yeah. Some players feel like yeah. It, they feel more like it's more stable and stuff like that. So mm. it depends a little bit on the taste. But the speed is something I think most people should try just to kind of clear their head, you know, because it's like a, a bestseller for a reason. It has such a broad audience. Mm. I, it's, I would not use It's not for me, but it's like it, a lot of people like it. You know, it's one of those rackets you see all over and all over again. So worth worth testing those and see if that could work, you know. Yeah, no, thanks, Jonas. And yeah, I mean, one one that I was like really wanted to fall in love with, but again, like it w- didn't quite get there was the Selinka Whiteout 98, uh, the 16 by 19. Like I I did like it. I felt like it was like pretty whippy, but I felt like maybe I wasn't getting quite as much power, like slightly not enough power that I would normally want to get. But um, have you, I mean, you've obviously tried that out. Did you gel with that one? I did like it. I also, I mean, since I test everything, I get very picky, right? So yeah. That's my problem. I have, I have to kind of dial my own picky ego down a bit and, and think of it as like, who is, who is this for? Who can it work for? Who has this type of style that this might benefit? You know, because most rackets today, like if you go back 10, 15 years, you could have some real duds on the market. Like some rackets were mm. not thought through. They were too stiff. There were no dampening. But nowadays, the rackets are all good, but it's not might not be for you. So you might still have to go through like 15 rackets to find the one that you like, you know. But it, the, generally, they, like the quality is good. The feeling is quite good because they, they you know, been going so f- 
far in this kind of testing and they, they, they know what they're doing. You know, they have so much data built up now. And I did like the Solinko. Felt like the string bit was maybe a little bit lively for me, you know, yeah, for my game. Too. Yeah, uh, so I couldn't really quite like. I, I'm very picky with the string out. bit, right? So if this, if this, I feel like I don't know what's going on with my shots. Yeah, I, I, I need to feel like I'm making the mistake, not anything to do with the racket. I don't want to blame the racket for anything because I know <laughs> then it gets into my head and it's it's done, right? So right, right. Uh, and I that's one of those frames that felt nice, but I didn't quite trust it, and that was my problem with it, you know, personally. But it's a good yeah. good stick. Like it, if you like the feeling and and you feel like you can control the ball with it, then then it's a great great frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So one interesting frame that I it was funny. Like I I demoed it and I actually liked it. I thought it had a really good combination of of certain properties, but then you know a lot of spin, like pretty good power, uh, very maneuverable. But then I felt like my arm was gonna fall off. And then maybe you already know which one it is, but, and then I actually saw a YouTuber say like, this was one of the worst rackets like that has come out and whatnot. But I'm curious about your take on this one. Cause it seems like love and hate, like the Wilson shift. What did you think about it? Yeah, that, I think it was very like a polarizing frame. If you look at other people, yeah. I talked to a lot of the guys who, who also test rackets. Uh, I try not to look at too many reviews, not get influenced, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, right. And I try to bring in other people on the review as well these days. So I try to always have like, Smart. okay, here's a few different guys with different styles. So we can all bring our opinions. I liked it. I thought it was very good. Uh, but some people struggle with the stiffness. I had no issues with stiffness. And I've had okay. like in the past, good. you know, if you're a play tester, you test a lot of rackets, your muscles never get used to you. Like your body is never used to what you're playing with, which is a bad thing. You know, you never build up that muscle mm -hmm. memory. So the, the problem with the grip shape and the, the stiffness and everything starts being more magnified. So you're, you're going to have some arm issues or wrist problems or whatever. But I didn't have any problems with that. I thought they played great. They were a bit tricky to control because the, the whole thing is like this vertical bending that they talk about from the Wilson uh, right. labs. Is that the, the despite even the probing 1820, which is quite dense pattern, right? And it's on a 99 square inch, so it's not a huge head size. This, yeah. The racket still plays like an arrow. It's like super spinny. So it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I love. You know? I love that. And some people love that. And, and I, I think it's a, it's a very good frame. Uh, and I, if you haven't tried it, I would, I would try it, you know, because it's, it's very spinny, quite solid, and it looks, looks great. It's just like an overall very solid frame. It was one of those rackets I thought like, okay, for bringing a new racket to the market, this was a clear thumbs up for me. Mm, okay yeah well, maybe i just need to play around with the uh string intention because like for some reason it was like harsh on my arm but um yeah yeah string i, I would say that like some rackets it might sound weird but some rackets are string sensitive so some rackets they work uh, really well with one type of string or one not like just one brand and one stuff like but but like a certain type of string doesn't really gel mm -hmm. with it or like mm -hmm. if you, you string them too high in the tension you go up to 55 pounds the racket gets kind of like too stiff and too much vibrations are happening mm. so sometimes it's about like dialing when you found a racket you like then you might have to dial in the string like maybe you have to go down in gauge like a thinner gauge or you have to have a thicker gauge depends really like but sometimes i also like since there's so much out there and if you're able to test if you don't gel with it that like after you know two sessions and stuff like it's it might be too much work you know, for you to actually like this racket. I usually think that the the racket for you is one where you feel like, boom, after the first session, you're like, wow, I love this. And then you might have a time where you, it's like a relationship, right? Like you lose that, <laughs> oh, it's a little bit, it's not as sexy maybe after a few weeks. 
Right. But then you get back to that after a while, right? So you have to kind of get, go through those periods. But you need to have the the love at first hit kind of thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You buy the racket, some new strings, and then it's happy with you again. Sorry, I was trying to make some sort of stupid comparison. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. Like, it's weird, but I find, like, like I usually talk about something called the honeymoon period where you're, like, yeah. you're in love, and you're, like, oh, I can't. This is every time I play with this racket, I'm so happy. But that will end at some point and harsh For reality sure. will set in. And I, I have this I members on my Patreon. I talk to fellow tennis lovers all over the world every yeah. day. And sometimes I get messages sure. like, oh, you know, and they're like, oh, it's the best racket. I found the racket. I found the string. I'm playing my best tennis. I just won three matches. Hmm. Two weeks later, I get a message. Do you know where to buy this racket? I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're in love with the other racket. This happened to me yesterday, right? So uh, from a good player I know. And he's like, oh, but now I want I want to buy this racket. I had some tough matches. And then like you, you have three losses mm. or two losses. And suddenly you're like throwing it's this racket. racket in the garbage bin. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's funny how, how fickle that is. Yeah, yeah. Got to... Take some responsibility. It's probably you, yourself, not the racket. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that's that's, that's, the, that's, that's right. the thing. That's right. Usually my, my mirror cracks when I look into it, but it's another story. In terms of like uh, plush rackets, Jonas, like I think this is an important category because uh, a lot of our audience is like, you know, 50 plus and like have de- been dealing with injuries and whatnot. So what lines would you recommend to these players who just want that plush uh, pillowy feeling, as you mentioned before? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the Clash is still one of those rackets. It's a hate-love racket. It's also mm-hmm. one of those I think you should try. But like a lot of players like it for a good reason. It's okay. soft on the arm and uh, it, it has like a nice give. And it's like if you like the pocketing, because it really pockets the ball, it's like it's the, the ball stays a long time on the string. People, Some people hate that. Some people love it. That's mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, how it is. It's not the easiest one to control always because that that, you know, pocketing on the string, but results in like a trampoline effect. So the, the ball kind yeah. of sometimes trampolines a bit more than you had mm. imagined. But for, for a like, you know, recreational, slightly older player, maybe who has some arm issues, Clash should be on the demo list 100%. Then the rack is like, for example, the Prince Phantom series, very control oriented. Like you don't get quite as much power, but they're very nice on the arm and they're classy rackets. A, a larger head size blade is another good one from Wilson that I think, like I have a friend who used to play ATP Tour uh, runs a club here mm-hmm. where I live and he switched and he still plays hits with futures players, right? And he mm-hmm. switched to a Blade 104. Oh, wow. And like Serena, that's right? A racket, like I like that a lot as well. I played some good tennis yeah. with the 104 wow. and it's very far from what I normally would play with. I play with a 95 usually. So 104 <laughs> is, is a different orbit, but that's a very good stick. So I think sometimes you have to have a pretty open mind and say, okay, I want this, you know, you can you should probably look a little bit at the stiffness rating. Sometimes a high stiffness rating could be a problem, but it doesn't tell the whole mm. story. Okay. Uh, so bigger blade clash is good. Uh, bubble at rackets tend to be quite firm, so it's not the best brand. I mean, juniors love them. Heavy hitting players love them. I do also love some bubbleats, but for like a, you know an older guy maybe with some arm issues or an older woman, I, it could be an issue. I would say. Uh, without mm-hmm. giving too much shade on to them, right? Sure, sure. The head boom series is quite arm friendly, I would say. They do get yeah. some some extra. Uh, so there's like lighter versions, like boom team and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so that works pretty well. Just pretty flush feeling. They have a little bit more give. Uh, so those those frames, I would say, from the the main manufacturers, uh, there's there's some rackets that are not well known, like a Dunlop CX, which is the control line from Dunlop. They mm-hmm. have an oversized racket called the Dunlop CX 200. OS oversize. 
And that's, that's a great frame. Like a lot of players who had some arm issues love that one. It gives them some control, but it's very, very nice feeling sensation. And it's one of those, like, nobody talks about it, you know? So that, that happens as well. Like there's some lines, some rackets just fly under the radar. And unless maybe a YouTuber or someone talks about it, it's like they don't sell them. They are just not marketed at all. So right. that would be one of those. Right, right, right. So a couple of follow-ups from that. First off, um, I remember trying the Dunlop. Is it the SX300? Is that the one? Yeah. I actually thought that was like pretty, it was pretty nice. Like it had, it had a lot of the properties I like. Maybe at the end, maybe I was hit, overhitting a bit too much with it. But um, what was your experience with that racket? Yeah, I liked it too. It was, uh, yeah, yeah it, it was very powerful. Like I also noticed yeah. like I was overhitting, but I f it was very fast and whippy. And sometimes yeah. you love that. Like when you can really increase your swing speed and you just go for your shots like a maniac, that's yeah. super fun. You know, that that's sometimes the fun stuff of different rackets is that some days you just want that like super plush feel. You can play some drop shots, move into the net. You you, you play around with the ball, but sometimes you just want to whack the ball. Like you really want to like be like Rafa Nadal or Cal Alcaraz or whatever and go <laughs> crazy. And it depends on your mood a bit that day and how good your body feels and so on. So the SX was good. Uh, I struggled a bit with control. Uh, the okay. SX300 Tour, which is the 98 screen. Oh, the Tour. Yeah. 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 Sorry, that's that actually the one I tried. Was that, was that, um, was that like better for you with the control? Like you like that more than this, the regular one? Yeah, I think I like that one a little bit more if I remember correctly. But I think I felt like at least the one I got because of quality control, you know, sometimes the weight and balance, they're, they're usually a little bit off within seven plus minus seven grams here and there. And that one I, I got was very light. So I needed to add some weight oh. to it. It felt like a bit too whippy. Like you had good speed, but no stability, like at some cases. Mm. But it depends a bit on the racket you actually hold in your hand. So you might need to customize it a bit. Yeah, that makes sense, Jonas. In terms of like, because one thing I'm concerned about, like, I guess it seems like a lot of the racket lines are going towards more dampening, which I'm not sure if I'm going to like that. There were some that I tried that I it was too dampened for me. But how do you, do you counterbalance that with the different strings? And then like, you think it's possible to do that and then you'll like, you'll like it. Like, what's an example of like doing that if you think that's a feasible way of, of making a racket that's more dampened like to your liking? It's it's a tough one because dampening is is like a, it's a very strong matter of taste. Like some players can't play with dampened rackets. I'm not a huge fan of dampened rackets. Always I try everything and I can play with everything now with with this this crazy tennis lifestyle. But <laughs> uh, it's tough to kind of you know remove the dampening feel. What you can mm. do sometimes is like have a hybrid, like a two different strings. And have like a natural gut or some very touchy feely string uh, okay. and then a round poly in the crosses or something so you you, you kind of create like a bit more of a connected mm. feel like the gut it has a very strong connection mm. and it obviously holds tension well and, and so on but the dampening which is sometimes like technology in the handle i think yonix yeah, maybe PDM. went a bit too far with the, the dampening of the recent rackets Damn it. Uh, VGM, <laughs> yeah. So, so in, some players love it in, in terms of comfort. It's usually a good idea. But like some old school players who, who, you know, we have a racket maybe from 15, 20 years. Rackets were quite different than in terms of not like specifications, but in the terms of the dampening materials. Like I think what's, what's the most modern thing I'm seeing now that I'm testing rackets that are not even out on the market yet is I'm seeing more and more dampening. I'm seeing like even more like of that you don't quite like it feels good but you're not sure where the ball is going 100% like so that's yeah. um that's something we're seeing and it's 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 not that easy you know to uh, if you don't like that it's it's tough to kind of mitigate that feeling with the string 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, just dampening my mood right now. Yeah. Sorry, it's a horrible <laughs> dad joke. I, I love puns. That was, that was so bad. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for that. So you mentioned updates, right? I think you said like Pure Strike was one of them. Is there, and you know, obviously I don't know how much like insider knowledge, you know, probably the most out of anyone I've ever interviewed, but like how, um, which update are you most excited about, if any, like, and if any, you could share, if not, no problem. (laughs) Yeah. I I think the new blade from my brief hit was, was very positive. Uh, so I think that that was quite exciting. Did like the pure strike as well, but a little bit not like 100% my thing. But it's I only had like an hour or so with these rackets, so it's like it's it's hard to say 100%. But new models overall, like what I see from um, from my numbers and from people is that the brands that make people excited and the lines in in those brands, like it is like blades. Everybody loves a blade, so if a new blade comes out, yeah. people are gonna be excited. Yeah. Uh, Pure Strike is not the most exciting of the bubble up rackets, but since they only have three lines and it hasn't been updated in years, I think it's going to yeah. be pretty pretty interesting. And I think they are looking for some some other ambassadors now or like an extra ambassador because Dominic team has not been like super impressive of le- recent years due to injuries yeah. and so on. Yeah. So he's been struggling and, and it's they obviously Same. want some young fresh face probably for it. So we'll see what happens there. So so those lines are pretty exciting. There will be a new speed. Uh, that I've been testing as well. So people who love the speed line can wait for that. Uh, it's a little bit different than, than the previous one. So the, yeah, those those are the three ones that I think will, will create some some interest, you know, knowing the in the market. And it's also something I know, like I want to put a bit more extra time to because uh, people are just waiting for that. You know, like they there's so many players using these types of rackets that yeah. Oh, is the update worth it? Is one of the most common questions I get. Like, is it is it worth for me to spend? You know, if you have two rackets, six hundred bucks to get two other rackets. You know, two updated <laughs> rackets, and and it's not always the case that it's it's worth it. So, uh, you know, those I look forward to having more time with those frames. That would that would be would be good. Awesome, man. Awesome. The blade, for example, like any big changes or like you know, is it more maneuverable, spinny, or just yeah? I mean, I think you mentioned that one had the biggest change. Was it? Yeah, it felt felt. They they all have some. They're all pretty slight changes for most people, I would say. Okay. Um, but but from from what I can tell, it's like it had like a positive, you know, felt a bit more solid, a little bit more power. Mm. And I think people generally these days like a bit more power overall. I think that's where the game is going with the, uh, you know, the modern game is is even on the on the rec play, playing level, like the, people have a little bit more from the racket. The yeah. strings help the ball go in, even if they look like it's going out, you know, with the polyesters, which is probably <laughs> a bigger innovation than the rackets. So even on the rec level, like tennis is a bit faster, I would say. And and most people are using polyester, whether they should or not. So um, I think you, we're going to see a bit more dampened power overall, like, you know, more, better dampening, but also like trying to have a bit more power back. It ebbs and flows. Like sometimes it's like, oh, the trend is control. Then the trend goes to power. Then the trend goes to dampening. <laughs> then it kind of, you know, goes back and forth in circles. Yeah. 
Gotcha, gotcha, John. In terms of the blade, because it's such a popular racket, I know a lot of players use that. My mixed doubles partner uses that, and I actually love. To be honest, I loved it. Like especially the eighteen twenty. Like oh man, for me, my volleys felt so amazing, and like the feel was incredible. But it just didn't. Wasn't quite like a spin, you know. It didn't have enough spin for me, like even the sixteen nineteen. But that one, yeah. I mean, how would you categorize that racket? Like, it, it wouldn't be a spin one, would it? Be more control, I guess. The the interesting thing with the blade is such a pop, popular frame, but it's still one of those that is like I see a lot of people maybe who shouldn't be using the the blade use the blade, and I I, I yeah. think it's a great frame. Like I, I've always loved right. it since they started releasing it. Like it started with the M blade many many years ago. And it's one of those lines that is popular for a reason. And a lot of pros use it because you get control and the pros need a lot of control usually. Mm-hmm. But for many players, they are not quite as forgiving and, and not spinny enough. I mean, for example, a 16-19 blade is not a spin racket as you alluded to. It's a control frame, yeah. but it has a bit more forgiveness and a bit more spin potential than the 1820. Because when you have like 1820s, obviously more strings than 1619. So you're also going to have a heavier racket to swing with. That's good to keep in mind. Like if you're buying an 1820 version, it's not only more controlled and with a lower trajectory, but it's also going to have more strings, which means higher swing weight. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be more demanding to play with. The 1820 is always more demanding if you have two, two patterns to choose from. So uh, good to keep that in mind. But yeah, the blade is not like, a, it's for you who are really a, like a modern control player. Mm. And I think sometimes you see blades in the hands of players that would benefit from even like, a, okay, if you want to stay Blade, you go Blade 104 or Blade 100. Those are good, not super powerful, but a lot easier to play with than the 98. Because mm-hmm. a 98 is a control frame in today's market. That's just how it is. Yeah, true that, true that. Um, Jonas, what are your top three control rackets? Because we've talked about, well, we actually we didn't do power either. But yeah, what are your top three control? And then maybe you can give us your top three power as well. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I, I think since I try everything, I mean, Blade is one of those, I would say that's uh, modern rackets is like at the top, I would say. It's like that. That's the the one where, you know, most brands want to imitate. They want to have a Blade in their lineup. Like, yeah. Uh, Radical is also there, similar okay. on par ish, you know. Uh, so the Blade and Radical are best sellers for a reason. Other brands, they don't quite have like the blade and the radical in their lineup. They, they I mean, like the, you mentioned the Selinka Whiteout, that's a good one. Wouldn't be top three, maybe. Technifiber okay. TF40 is another mm. one where that's in that range where I racket I really like. Very good frame. Uh, that, that's kind of like it's controlled. It's not as extreme as Prestige. Prestige and Pro stuff, that's like as controlled as you get. But I think mm. for most people, that's not the frame to get, I would say, unless you're like okay. a connoisseur or you're like the paint job or with Pro Staff 97, if we talk about that from Wilson, it's a 315 gram, quite heavy racket, mm-hmm. small sweet spot, very nice to play with if you're a good player. But for most people, I think the Blade is the better choice because it helps you a bit more, just a bit more, you know. So Blade Radical, and then the third one, yeah, maybe would be the Technifiber TF40, but just like off the cuff here. I, I did like the yeah, Percept yeah. from Yonex as well. Very good mm. frame, Percept 97. So, yeah, out of the, the three ones, I would probably go with those. Yeah, uh, that, That's Beautiful. a very nice choice. Even if it's 97, thanks to the isometric head shape, which is, you know, a bit flatter, it plays a bit bigger than that. Nice, nice, nice. Good, great choices there. And then for power, I'm going to guess one and say the pure drive. I don't know if, is that your, but it, but give me your top three, but I would just wanted to see do you agree? <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Has to be up there. I, I'm not always super in love with. I, I love older pure drives a bit more. This is my personal yeah. taste. 
I think it's a good racket. I think a lot of people love the pure drive. I have friends who play with it. Uh, it was a bit firm for my liking. I hope the new pure drive will, will be a good one. I'm really looking forward to testing that when that happens. Not exactly sure when that's going to happen. Sometimes the racket companies are very open with their like plans. And, you know, I'm not sharing with my audience because I want to, you know, have a good relationship with them. So we play ball. Sure. If they want to have a planned campaign, you don't want to ruin it for them. I think that's a bit silly. So, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't really know what that's coming out. But the Pure Drive is good. But my favorite is the E-Zone 100. Uh, it's a very good power frame. I, I Just my personal liking and the reason I think is the that it has a little bit denser pattern. So on flatter shots, which a lot of people have flatter shots, you know, if like especially if you're you're been in the game for a while, it, it performs a bit better with control in aspect of control. So uh, so I really like the the E-Zone 100. That would be my favorite one. Pure Dub is up there in the top three for sure uh, somewhere okay. because it's still a good frame. Uh, just stiffness can be a bit of an issue where the Yonex is a bit more dampened. And uh, a little bit of a sleeper racket in the power category is the Dunlop FX500. It's a very good frame uh, that I can recommend. So, I mean, Dunlop, they're, they're not like as well known as the Yonex head, mm-hmm. Pablo and Wilson, but they do make good rackets. So it should be on someone's list. Yeah. And the Ultra was pretty good as well. The Ultra V4 that they released, I think, a year ago or so. So uh, that's that's probably four rackets. But that's like the, the big brands, they do make good products, especially these days. So like you're pretty, it's a pretty safe bet to go with a, like a name brand. I mean, I like to promote smaller brands because they make some good products, especially strings, whether it's rackets or, or apparel. But um, the, the big brands nowadays, they don't make like really like a super bad frame you're not gonna get that so if you want <laughs> if you know that it's like if you get a bubble frame it's gonna be yes like a bubble feel so if you for example you like bubble rackets i'm sure you're gonna be happy with the new bubble or same with wilson same with head you know that they still have their f- distinctive feel no matter what line of, of them you, you use right yeah, I feel like for me in the end, I might have to just do the Piero 98 and just like get used to it. For me, it's like a little bit more, I don't know if to say plasticky is right the word. Yeah, yeah, I think storm, that's but... what I get from, uh, I think the people who are, don't like it, they've said that. That it feels like, sometimes the funny thing with rackets is that the just the cosmetic or just the feeling when you hold it in the hand makes a difference. So when you impact the ball, you might not look at like feel plastic, whatever it's not, but, but, yeah, but it's yeah. just that whole experience with, with the frame visually touch and feel with the holding it in the hand. Maybe if you have, you have a one hander or two hander, uh, two hander, two hander. Yeah. So like for some people, like you just, when you have a one hander, for example, you, you take the bracket back holding it in the throat. And then if it, the throat oh. feels weird, mm. you can't hit your one handed backhand, you know? So it's a small thing that actually plays a big role in the whole choice. So yeah, I've heard that it's people. So maybe you should have tried the previous one, the VS, which is tough yeah. to find. But that, that feels more, I would say, a little bit more like typical graphite, you know, shiny, mm-hmm. glossy finish. Not doesn't look so. Uh, I would, you know, you can talk about what you want about the cosmetic of the new arrows. I, I, I could have imagined something better, but it's it's not horrible. But it's like it has a certain like younger demographic, you know. That's, right, right. That's good to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Gosh, just uh, time really flew by, Jonas. Uh, just let, me, let me know if you have to uh, dip here. But um, no, no, we, even... can, we can go for a bit more. No, no worries. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even really touched upon strings that much yet. Do, uh, one, one other thing about rackets. So you mentioned that, like the 
you know, certain ratings, like let's say the stiffness, like it doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, one one aspect too that I was wanted to see to, if we could explain for viewers, um, you could explain, is uh, like the head, you know, headlights points, you know, head heavy, like the, the, the points, like what does that correlate to? And does that also tell like the whole story about a particular um, trait? Yeah, it's when we on the broad like line of specifications because I I think like when you people are browsing rackets on their favorite you know retailer website whatever yeah. they look at the specifications and they have head size that's how big the head size is that's not so complicated string yeah. pattern obviously you know sixteen eighteen quite open pattern fewer strings eighteen twenty denser pattern more control uh, those are pretty basic but when it comes to like weight and balance the balance point if it's head light it means like the racket head like the hoop of the racket doesn't, you know, it, it's the weight is more centered towards the handle. Like headlight means that it's like handle heavy. So that can be a bit counterintuitive for some, I guess. But it's like, okay, it's lighter in the head than you when you balance the racket on your, your finger, for example. So if you get, like some players struggle with having too much weight in the head, mm -hmm. uh, like because it makes the racket swing slower. So one of the things that are affected by where the racket weight is placed is swing weight. And that's one of the most important things. I, I, I like to stress it a bit because I think the bracket brands don't put enough attention on it because swing weight is how heavy the racket is when you swing it through the air. And that's what's the most important factor when you, for example, want to have two identical rackets. So if weight and balance can be the same on three rackets, but they all have three different swing weights. So they all swing differently. So when you swing a racket through the air, that's where you want to have, oh, this feels the same like the, my other racket, you know? But if you buy two rackets without getting a matching service, which some retailers offer, they can feel completely different and play completely different. So with the balance and the weight, those are important. Um, but the swing weight, I would say, is the most important specification of the racket that you can look at, you know. And you can also adjust balance. So, for example, if you have a racket that's very, that feels very heavy towards the head and you don't like it, you can actually add like something in the handle. It could be blue tack. It could be silicone, like mm -hmm. regular silicone you buy in like a hardware store. Or you can actually wrap like lead tape around the handle, the top of the handle maybe, uh, to get the weight more towards the handle. That's not going to affect the overall swing weight and it's going to make the racket swing a bit faster. It feels a, feel a bit whippier if you like that. Nice. Opposite, if a racket feels very flimsy, like you're swinging it, feels like all the weight is in the handle, you can add weight in the hoop of the racket so it feels a little bit more solid and it gives you a bit more power and stability. Like sometimes I get rackets for test even that are so off in specification that to even play the frame properly, uh, you, I need to do something to it. You know, I always try it as is, but I also then test it if I customize it a bit to where it would be more on the you know average specification. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. Thanks, Jonas. Um... Or just one thing real quick. I did hear like just in the last like 30 seconds, there was a little bit of like maybe like popping or like with, with the mic. I just want to double check. Like maybe I don't know if is it like totally plugged in or whatever. Um, yeah, it was just a little bit of like it's plugged in now, but maybe I was too close to it. Could happen. Get excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now it's good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Just checking. Um, yeah, let me make a note to edit around minute 104. Sweet. Okay. Jonas, uh, great stuff. So in terms of the the strings, I, I have a similar question for you as well as like the process, you know, part of it. So what what steps would you take to find the ideal string for your game? 
Yeah, that's also, I mean, it always starts with, with who you are. And I would say, like, if you're a player with arm issues, you should take this step quite seriously because the string makes a big difference. You can make a racket pretty comfortable, even if it's a relatively stiff racket, meaning like that when you're a stiff racket, you get rapid vibrations from the frame. It doesn't absorb the vibrations and it can go down to your arm and then you cause like tennis elbow in with kind of um, the easiest way to explain it. So a lot of players could benefit from playing with a multi-filament string. And a multi-filament is a soft string that has several filaments. That's from the name multi-filaments. It's like more mm -hmm. complex string that you can have in your racket pretty much until it breaks. Most players will not break a polyester string, which is the most common on the market these days. That's what most people use. But average recreational player will most likely not break it unless they hit like really off center or it has, mm -hmm. you know, the, there's like some part of the string hole grommet that is like a little bit sharp and then it, you know, snaps from that. Yeah. While pros who hit with a lot of spin and heavy speeds, they can break strings after one hour. You know, like they string a racket and it, they break in one practice. So they have to bring like four rackets to a practice, which sounds a little bit insane if you're not into tennis, but that's how it is, right? <laughs> so for most, for players with arm issues, I would definitely try to go for a multi-filament string. Uh, and there are many good ones on the market. Pay a little bit more, you're going to get better playability and feel overall. Technifiber makes some really good ones. Obviously mm -hmm. the main brands they do as well. Um, but a multi-filament, you can just play it until it breaks. While with a polyester, which is a firmer string, feels a bit more plasticky. There's loads of them, shaped, non-shaped, round, whatever. Uh, that one, it starts to lose its elasticity after a certain playing period, depending on how hard you hit and how often you play and so on. Right. And when it loses its elasticity, you don't get the benefits of the string anymore. And the string is, is usually you call it dead. You can argue that it's not dead. It's, it's like, it's just too elastic or there are, you know, people have get very technical, but it, it starts to lose that sensation where the string snaps back into place. Cause that's what the poly does. It's like starts here, hit the ball, goes like to the sides and then snaps back after mm. the impact of the ball. And that's how the spin gets, helps you. So it's like, if it's faster snapback, the ball takes more of a shape from the racket and gets the extra RPMs on the ball. So mm. for spin players, there's not really any option. You need to play with a polyester string. Uh, okay. There are soft polys. There are stiff polys. There are polys <laughs> that have a lot of give. There are different colors. The color makes a difference. So you can have the same brand, same gauge, which is the thickness, and the one yellow and one black. And the black plays a lot more control than the yellow one, where the yellow one plays more lively. So um, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. I would say like... But arm issues is the most important part to uh, to consider. And if you're a spin player, yeah, you would probably want a bit more of a control string because you're already playing with so much racket head speed. While if you're yeah. a flat player, you probably want to go with maybe a thinner gauge. Uh, and you don't have to have such a like super controlled string because you're already hitting it so flat. So you don't really need need mm -hmm. that extra, you know, uh, snapback and so on. So there are a few, a lot of things to take into consideration, but those are some kind of key key guidelines i would say yeah super interesting stuff yeah because i was going to ask you about you know if i were to switch from from poly to multi-filament like what 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 would i experience but it sounds like i would experience like less spin and then like maybe like more power like is there anything else yeah. no i think that the, the problem for a lot of players even i i try this uh, i i usually everyone has my experiment kind of i'm like hey i give you a string if you're like maybe a, like a beginner and I, if I have like beginners where there's like a group of players coming to Marbella or whatever, 
And I'm like, okay, try this racket. And it's a multi-filament racket. And it could be a player who has played mm-hmm. tennis maybe, you know, 50 times in their life or 30 times, whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people don't still like the multi-filament, even though it's better for them because it doesn't have the snapback. So it doesn't give you that nice extra spin potential, but it does give you power and it does give you comfort. So it, it does make the racket feel a bit more like a pillow, which some mm. people love, you know, and, and that's a nice sensation. And if you're unsure, you can always try to have one multifilament in the mains, which is the main kind of string, or and one polyester in the crosses. So you get a bit of a mix of both worlds, something I sure. tend to go with a lot in certain rackets because I I do like this, like this softer feel. You see a lot of pros use natural gut in the mains. You have Novak yeah. doing it. And my friend Roman Safiulin is now testing uh, oh. natural gut rackets. So uh, cool. I talked to him yesterday about it, you know. So a lot of pros are more open to testing things now and, and adding gut to get a bit more power, a bit more softer feeling and so on. That's really cool. You're, you're friends with Sifulin. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. In terms of, um, let's see, the, the if you want to accentuate, like, let's say you want to have more more uh, spin and you're doing a hybrid. So should you put like that that string, like the, the poly in the main? Is it that whatever is in the main gives you more? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I would put the, the poly in the main. Like I... That's also like I'm sometimes a matter of taste and style. Like Novak, for example, plays, I wouldn't say he plays flat, but he plays a lot more on the margins, right? So he yeah. he, he plays with very high tension uh, for mm. for most people, I would say, you know, and but he uses the gut in the mains because it kind of suits his style. It's a little bit flatter, more through the court. All his shots, if you, you know, sometimes go to his practices, he lives in the same area as I do. So uh, they're, oh. every shot he hits looks like it's like, five millimeters from the baseline. It's crazy you know, how, you, how you have this precision. You can understand why he dominates sometimes because I, I've never seen anyone like just have that kind of depth control like that he has. It's just amazing. Mm. Uh, but he has the gut in the mains. But then you can have players who are maybe more spin-oriented, but they want a softer feeling. They maybe put the gut in the crosses where it has a little bit less impact on the string bed. So mm. for you or if you're a top spin player and you want to try gut or you want to try a multi-filament, just to soften up the string bed a bit, mm. put it in the in the crosses, and uh, you get some of that benefit. But it, it's not the dominating string. The dominating string is the main string. Gotcha. Thanks, Jonas. Speaking of dominating strings, Hyper G seems to be one that is you know very prevalent, and uh, I think you know a lot of college players use it, and it's just yeah, I don't know. It's been very popular. I use it myself actually, but. I guess, first off, how would you categorize Hyper-G? And then also, are there any alternatives that you have found as well that you think are can be quite good instead? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Hyper-G. always uh, was since it came out. It's been like also one of those strings that captured people's attention because it's lime green, you know, like a neon <laughs> green. So it stands out, which was yeah. a very smart move, I think, because like really you, you can see the string. It also works with different... I mean, I don't know how picky some people are, but if the racket is is, you know, yellow you can't have a yellow string it looks really strange right usually yeah. that's the, kind of the, the thing that you, unless you love yellow uh, but that string is is a is a spin oriented relatively firm i would say i would say medium firmness pretty firm string uh, so arm issues you need to go very low i would not play with it with arm issues mm. there is hyper g soft which i played with yesterday mm. um, and that that has a little bit softer feel but when you have a softer string it drops tension quicker and Hyper-G yeah. soft is one of those strings that drops tension. But Hyper-G is a, is a semi-lively, like pretty, there's a lot of action going in the string. It has a nice, like, snapback. It, it gives you a lot of spin. Uh, if you like that feeling, it's, it's a very addictive string to play with. It, I, I always liked it due to that. 
But there are like options, for example, headlink store mm. is, is a string that is very similar, maybe a tad firmer, depending on the colorway you go for. Uh, but it's one of my favorites. Uh, a lot of pros use that now, uh, making the switch to that string. That's also a great string. Uh, so those two strings have that kind of like firm, spinny feeling. Uh, if you want something, you know, that gives you some spin, but it's a little bit softer, like Yonex Polytor strings are pretty good. So there's the Polytor Rev, which is their spinnier string. That's a pretty good mm. one. Uh, that is not as stiff, you know, on the arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the choice of strings is like, it's crazy now. Like it's hard <laughs> to keep up, even for me with my uh, weird... Uh, Tennis lifestyle, like it's tough to keep up with all the new strings hitting the market all the time and new brands, because the string market has us like it's an you know lower entry. You know that's like when you to develop a racket, that's a completely different ballpark. To develop a racket, it's going to require some money. It's going to require a lot of iteration, while a string is is easier. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And then I do want to just get into your podcast a, a little bit, at least. Any particular guests that that come to mind and like really great pieces of advice that you've um you know kind of taken with you from them? Yeah, I I mean I've been fortunate enough to have some interesting guests. Uh, some of them are repeat guests, so I, I would probably single them out. You know, it's like I have Nikola Aracic, who's a yeah, pretty famous YouTube coach, great guy, uh, loves tennis. I think his tennis uh, passion is is addictive, and we sometimes talk on the phone as well. And he's like. Mm-hmm. We we can keep talking about tennis for hours, you know. It's it's pretty funny because he has such a wide knowledge and some of yeah. his tips or ideas I are not always something I agree with, but I, I always respect his opinion and I think he's he's a lots of interesting ideas and his his passion shines through and he's a nice guy. So I would say like if you want to listen to those episodes, I think you'll find something. You know, well once we did a four hour podcast. Whoa, I'm tired sweet. <laughs> yeah, have a beer. I think I that. published like two and a half hours of it because it had some technical stuff. But it, it was, yeah, we can All talk right. about tennis. It goes, it goes nuts. Um, probably awesome. bore people to death. But and Carousel, yeah. it's a, it's another friend of mine that we've he's been on my podcast twice. Good player. Now yeah. he's back on the tour, so that's always interesting. And he's very open. You know, I like people who are very open and honest and don't try to kind of hold back on certain topics. I yeah. I always try to be as blunt without hurting people kind of you know you want to be like you have nothing to hide which is i think is a good way to live life and he, he does it that way and um you know understands tennis well and has his strong opinions and uh, and it's interesting to hear his um his thoughts about being a pro for example like there's been some even like an episode i did with simon konov from top tennis training another nice. youtuber he he talked about like the rough life on the pro tour i think opened a lot of people's eyes on how mm like you know sleep in like a bus shelter and stuff like this while you're playing futures you know that was one part of the episode and and then you realize like okay life of a tennis pro in the lower rungs of the tour is it's pretty tough you know it's a grind so uh, i you know kudos to people who really tough it out and and make it or people who just try it uh, because it does require like a lot of will to to go through that yeah, well, that's rough. Yeah, I love, love all those guys you mentioned. I've um, been lucky enough to make content with them as well. So very cool. Shoot, there's one one question I wanted to ask uh, about the racket brands, just to give a shout out, you know, to maybe like the, the most underrated racket brand, like a brand that, you know, isn't mentioned much, isn't in those top few that we've talked about, you know, most of the episode, but like that you that you like. And you can mention multiple if you want. Yeah, usually you, you open up Pandora's box kind of. No, but it's like... Um, yeah. <laughs> For example, like a, a US-based brand that, that nobody knows about, but I actually liked a lot was the uh, Fury brand, like based in New York. Yeah. They're um, awesome. 
I mean, obviously, all brands are, you know, most records are made in China, like Yonex excluded with the made in Japan. But uh, I would say those rackets, like the Fury Armor Pro 98, my father still uses them. I gave them to him. I, I really like them too, but he liked them more. So, and I have too many rackets. So I, I gave them to him and he, he loves them. And he's, I, I force people who I play with to try rackets, you know, even against their will. I hold a gun. What a savage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, that's usually because my bag is always like six to eight rackets, new rackets. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. if I play with someone who's coming here to visit me in Spain or or just, I mean, sometimes it's tennis blind dates. You probably have the same. Like tennis can be a blind date. You've never seen the guy. You've just chatted and then like, yeah, now you're playing. Um, and that's nice. Yeah. And there always, there's always some racket. And some people are very reluctant to testing because they know like, okay, I'm, if I test, maybe I like it and I have to buy it. It's not good. So I don't <laughs> And yeah. then I don't push too hard. But the Fury is good. Um, Angel makes some good rackets. I reviewed their React series. Oh, yeah. uh, they're not that yeah. famous. And they also custom, like, so you can get your own specifications, which is pretty cool. They have a custom program. Uh, what else is there? There's a few brands that are, like, you know, flying a little bit under the radar. I, I You mentioned Solinko is now famous for strings, but the rackets are, are good as well. Yeah, uh, People don't know really know that they make rackets, which is interesting. Uh True. You know, for example, like Technifiber, people don't think about, even though there's like Medvedev playing with it, Iga Svantec, so many top pros like are using Technifiber. But when you ask a regular club player, you know, they will know Babala Wilson, uh, Yonex maybe now. Yonex are, are picking up steam and, and, are, uh, yeah. and head. But there's so many brands that actually create really good products. So you can always look outside the the, the well-known brands as well. And you might find some, maybe you want to be a guy who shows up with something that nobody else has. It's always fun, something, you know, to be that guy, right? That's right, yeah, be unique, unique fellow. I, I, I remember when I was young, like I didn't want an Apple product and I got some random one, and but it broke. And then I was like, damn, maybe I should have just got Apple. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a while ago. Jonas, any uh, particular, uh, you know, just projects or like anything you want us to, to check out that, that you might be doing coming down the pike? I mean, I'm, there's always stuff happening. I'm, yeah, m more stuff always on Tennis Nerd on that. So that's where the people can check out. Like, I, I, we do more news now. I have a guy helping me a bit, like trying to do a bit more wide ranging content because even it sounds like I'm insane, but I, I also get bored <laughs> with with the rackets, like, because I need to do other. Uh, I, I go to a lot of tournaments during the year, not a lot, but maybe five, six ATP tournaments during a year. And nice. I do like hanging around, like the watching a lot of tennis, talking tennis. Um, that's why I had the podcast. So I yeah. think people sometimes go like, oh, yeah, this is the gear, dude. You know, it's gear, gear, gear. And it's like, oh, it's nice to talk about something else than gear. I always like talking about gear, but it's like when it becomes your, when the kind of a passion becomes your job, you always look for, you know, a little bit like, okay, it's good to get a breather from from other stuff, mm -hmm. even if it's tennis. So, uh, yeah, tennisnerd.net is, is good to check out. Like, if you want, please follow me on YouTube, trying to get the 50K mark. I don't know the social media game well enough. Uh, I noticed that the younger guys do a much better job than I do. So, so it's tough to keep growing, but uh, I, you know, I'll do it because I, because I enjoy it. So that's really the thing, you know? Awesome, man. Do you also talk about like um, how to improve your game as well? Like I, I forgot if you, you, were you an instructor at 1.2 or no? I, we did uh, an app that's still around uh, me and Nikki. Nikki is a friend of mine who used to play pro. Uh, Oh. while back and now he plays more football than tennis but he's still a very good coach so we did like an app with a lot of videos he's been on my youtube channel a lot of people like nikki nikki actually had runs a, a company called unstrong custom where he paints rackets so if you want your racket painted Ooh. in whatever idea you have uh he can get it done he's done it for elton john for example so he has some famous customers but yeah. um 
but yeah so it's that's that's cool and we've done some coaching content together you know we we do play from time to time he joins my reviews but he's very picky about rackets so he, he usually thinks it's shit until he starts playing <laughs> with it and i can get to convince him he's like ah oh, it's crap i'm not gonna try it and then okay. i force him he's like okay it was actually quite good after this you know yeah open his eyes uh, yeah so, yeah so, yeah so we have some coaching content like some, i sometimes help him coach like you know, I'm not a, a player can coach very good players, but I, you, I can coach like intermediate players, beginners. Sometimes we have people coming to Marbella and Spain and we, I help out, you know, and try to, I always like being on a tennis court, you know, it's something I, I always enjoy. I wouldn't be, want to be with, you know, students for eight hours maybe, because okay. uh, I want to play myself and, and uh, get <laughs> my old body some exercise. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it's always fun to be on a court, whatever you do. Love it. Yeah. Hell yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, and then any uh, social media, I know you mentioned it, but like, do you, any profiles you want us to check out as well? Yeah. Instagram, I try to put like a lot of effort recently. Uh, seems like be like a platform where people commute. I don't know what's your experience there, but I, I, you know, when I look at different platforms, sometimes I gel more with some and not others like TikTok. I don't understand at all. Uh, mm. I, I've been open with that. Instagram. I like, it's more of a community feeling, you know, that seems to work pretty well. Yeah. Facebook, I feel it's like, for is it feels like older people than me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's like it's not. Yeah, but I have the group that is going strong. So if you want to buy, sell, maybe you put that link in the show notes. Yeah. But like the easiest way to interact, where I get a lot of like advice, where some talk to some pros here and there, it's the Instagram. I think tennis nerd Insta, uh, where it's easiest to kind of reach out. I would say, follow awesome. what's going on. Awesome, awesome, love it. I think we could also talk for you know a couple more hours at least, but um, really enjoyed it, uh, Jonas. I know you got stuff to do, so yeah, I'll just ask you, um, you know, this question I ask all my guests, which is, and you can cater to to gear and whatnot if you want. Uh, you don't have to, but what is one piece of advice that you can tell our audience to help them improve their tennis games? Oh yeah, that has to be something with gear, and uh, yeah, yeah I, w- I would say that's one piece of advice. It's a t- tough question, actually. I, I, give yeah. me four hours. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you can do multiple if you want. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I would, I would say like the, the, for my audience, which something comes up all the time. I think it's it's pretty good. Good advice is try not to get stuck in the gear jungle. Like that's probably because a lot of people, you are in it now. I've been in it for fifteen years. I don't know. Uh, and it's <laughs> like if you can avoid it to start testing rackets, although it's fun, it's gonna be pretty detrimental to your tennis to keep testing so i would mm-hmm. recommend you to try, try to be like quite uh strict with yourself maybe allow like okay i test four rackets i go for one and then i don't test any rackets for a year you know so put some strict guidelines this is very specific advice but i think if you really want to play good tennis getting into the racket game and the string game can be pretty detrimental although it's fun so i just wanted to give that warning out as a, kind of a last a little bit of a disclaimer like don't don't get stuck in it because it it, it can be quite addictive although it's not a, as bad as some things that are addictive it, it can be can be a long road yeah exactly great stuff so yeah i mean rewind go you know listen again to like the process that jonas outlined when we in the, yeah. more in the beginning of the show and and, and then pick it and then you know just use it for at least a few years great stuff well everybody definitely check out um tennisdirt.net and then the youtube channel instagram we'll have all the links in the on the show notes page and in, in the app whatever app you use to listen to the show so thank you very much jonas uh, appreciate the time and uh hope to chat with you again soon and keep up the great work thanks man appreciate it and uh yeah i will keep listening and if you have uh you want me on again i'm here so let me know awesome would love to do it thanks man cool All right, I really hope that you enjoyed my interview with 
Jonas Erickson. Jonas, thanks so much for coming on to the show. And again, big up, big kudos to you for all your work at Tennis Nerd. I can definitely feel the passion and the interest in you know, tennis rackets and equipment, strings, and just in general, the games. Keep up the great work there. Hope you hope to have you back on soon, as we talked about. And yeah, really appreciate it. Really appreciate you listening. And if you did enjoy and get some value out of this show today and, you know, other episodes, and I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that by going to tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts with an S at the end to leave a review there. Or you can leave a review on any platform of your choice. We just find that Apple Podcasts just moves the show, you know, in the right direction more more often than the others in terms of visibility and and whatnot. So yeah, it just seems to be the best platform for that. But you know, any sort of uh, medium for feedback is great. So appreciate whatever you can do there. Also, I'm going to leave you with a quote as I do at the end of every show. This one is by Tim Fargo. I put this on my Instagram page. Uh, it's that my handle is tennis.files and a lot of people like this one. So the quote by Tim is, if you want to improve your self-worth, stop giving other people the calculator. That's a really deep one there. So think about that one. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. We've got some really fun ones coming down the pike. I believe we have a best of for 2023 and then a really fun interview with with my great friend Peter Freeman on how to peak in 2024. So that's going to be super fun too. And then, yeah, another, you know, just a bunch more interviews and, you know, content coming down. So, um, yeah, I wish you all a fantastic holiday season, you know, Christmas and whatever else you might be celebrating these days and New Year as well. Well, hopefully you'll listen to me before the New Year. But yeah, I think by the time the next episode comes out, Christmas will have passed. So, Yeah, have a great one. All the best to you and your families. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is your faithful host, Mirabhan Aranshad, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.